We're going to start in the book of 2 Timothy tonight. We'll start in 2 Timothy chapter number 2. 2 Timothy chapter number 2. And while you're turning there, uh, let me encourage you to be, uh, be in attendance this coming Friday night uh, for the high school graduation. We have three seniors uh, graduating. And then next week is our kindergarten graduation. I believe it's Thursday morning. Of course, you're invited to that uh, as well. Enjoyed a good time in the team banquet last night uh, and enjoyed seeing uh, some of their recognitions last night. They enjoyed uh, having a great time, and I appreciate all of our ministries. I appreciate our Christian school ministry, and the Lord is using that ministry, and I'm excited to see what God does with that in the near future. Tonight, we're going to start in 2 Timothy chapter number 2, and I'm going to read four verses of Scripture to begin with. And we'll have a word of prayer, and then we're going to move through uh, several different <coughs> passages of Scripture uh, in 1 Timothy and back in 2 Timothy. And I have a, I have a study that uh, I've done um, uh, concerning another warning from Paul to Timothy, and uh, it's got eight different points to it. And you see that, see that just sucked the wind out of the room right there? You know, typically... My messages are about four points, and so if you're doing the math, it's twice as much as I normally cover, but you'll be excited to know that I'm only covering the introduction tonight, and uh, so, uh, but, I, but I have the whole thing here just in case, so, uh, but uh, I'm going to take the time to walk us through, some of this will be review from previous weeks, uh, but walk us through some very important things. It is, is important that you and I know what we believe. It's important to know why we believe it. It's important for us to know what we believe, why we believe it, and then determine that we're never going to let it go, that we're going to hang on to it, we're going to keep it. Uh, we see some things taking place in our country that we uh, do not like. We can see uh, some things er eroding in our country from uh, its foundation to its morals to its freedom and liberty. And uh, if you understand what this nation was founded on, uh, you understand that some people don't even, they don't even understand the America that was founded. Um, you try and tell them that, no, this is what we, this is what the Constitution says, and they look at you uh, like you're crazy, like you don't know what you're talking about. Uh, we have, some don't even know the things that we have, just to use our country as an example. And uh, some are, uh, they, they knew it, but, you know, they've been bought off. Uh, if you'll pay me to stay home, uh, okay, I, I don't believe in capitalism anymore. I now believe in uh, whatever you're calling it. They've, quite frankly, they've sold out. And so uh, that, that's an illustration, but certainly there's much more to it when it comes to spiritual matters. It comes to what we believe from the Word of God. Uh, one day, if everything we hold to is going to be compared uh, to God Himself. And so uh, I want to uh, encourage you as we walk through this to uh, follow along and let's make sure that uh, we understand what the Bible says about the faith and what we're to do with it. I remind you that our series is a charge to keep. Paul received the faith from Jesus himself. He committed it to Timothy. And so I want us to see that tonight. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter number 2. We're going to begin reading with verse number 15. We'll read down through verse number 18. And we'll get it was a familiar couple of verses, but we'll get into this this evening. The Bible says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. 
a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That's a, that's a pretty good admonition. Study to show thyself approved. It's important for every Christian to understand that you need to study the Word of God as your, as your pastor studies the Word of God. Um, it's important for everybody. And we have that liberty in Christ to study the Word of God. Uh, notice verse number 16. But shun profane and vain babblings. I'll go into this in a little more depth in another week. But he's saying study, and the opposite of that is what he should shun. Profane in vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. Very simply, the further you get away from the truth, the more you get to ungodliness. The further you get away from the truth, the more ungodly there is. I mean, we got God out of the public schools, aren't we? I mean, we got God out of public schools. Look how ungodly they are. Let's get God out of our society. Look at how ungodly it is. Uh, it is, it, it's, it's a, you, get, you get away from the truth of Scripture, it becomes more and more ungodly. That's why uh, teenagers, young people, everybody listen to me. You leave the truth of the Word of God, you're going away from God, not toward Him. There's a lot of religion out there, but the further you get away from God, the more ungodly it is. Verse 17, And their word will eat as doth a canker, of whom is Hymenus and Philetus. Notice verse number 18. This is where I want to get into tonight. Who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already? Now, let me say this before we finish reading the verse. Um, not everybody's right on what they say is truth. Not everybody's right. Well, this is what I... doesn't mean just because you say it, it doesn't mean it's right. Because I say it doesn't mean it's right. Now, if God says it, that's Right? And that's what we must always be comparing it to. The Bible reminds us, who concerning the truth have erred. Now, the pastor, these people are sincere. They may be sincere, but if they've erred, they've erred. They're, they're, they're nice people. They're, 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 they're good. That, that may be true. But when it comes to the faith and the doctrine, as we're going to be reminded of tonight, they, if they have erred, they have erred. And there are some who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already. They weren't saying there was no resurrection. They say, we, it's, it's, it's past already. There, it, it's not going to happen. They, just like some today say, there is no rapture. Some today say, we're in the tribulation. That's not what the Bible teaches. They erred concerning the truth. But notice the result. And overthrow the faith of some. Paul gives a great warning to Timothy. You better be careful because if you're not, the faith of some can be overthrown. Now let me clarify very quickly before I pray when we get into the Bible study tonight. That does not mean you lose your salvation. Because once you're saved, you're saved. Because the work of salvation is a work God does, not a work I do. It's not a work a church does. It's not a work you do. It's a work God does. And when God does it, it's final. It's settled. does not mean they lose their salvation. I'll explain to you tonight. That's why it'll take me a minute to, to walk through the introduction, what it means to 
have the faith overthrown. So tonight, we're going to look at some more of Paul's warnings to Timothy. Father, I pray you'll use the Bible study this evening. With the time we have, may the Spirit of God uh, teach us, instruct us. Father, may you give me clarity of thought tonight. And Father, I pray that all of us will learn a little bit more uh, about what our faith means. May we learn the importance of keeping our faith. May we learn the importance uh, as others come behind us to have held on to the faith. And Father, may uh, we hold to our words so that the faith of others is not overthrown. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to turn your Bible again to just a couple chapters over to chapter number 4, 2 Timothy. And we'll look at verse number 7, a verse we looked at uh, in great detail in the past. Often referred to as Paul's last words, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Now we discussed what that meant, but I want to draw your attention again to that last phrase. I have kept the faith. I remind you what I taught on a couple of Sunday nights. Once Paul had the faith handed to him, he kept it. He didn't go, have to go back and say, I wonder if that's what Jesus was really talking about when he was talking to me. No, when the Lord gave it to him, it, was, it hadn't changed. And so he said, he got to the end of his life, I have kept the faith. Now, I, I, you know my testimony. You know I grew up in a, in a preacher's home. You know my tes- testimony of when I got saved, I got called to preach. And as a, as a younger preacher, one thing I've always had a goal is to keep the faith. Now that I'm, I still consider myself a, a younger preacher, um, you may not, but I still do, um, I, as a, as a, I still want to hold to the faith. A lot of the decisions I make, a lot of the ways I box myself in is so that I keep the faith. I want to keep the faith. In order to keep the faith, you must accept it and then move on. We have gotten away from the fact that God has saved us to serve. God has saved us to do. God has not just saved us to know. Now, I've reminded you of this. If, if, if our goal was just to know this book from cover to cover, God would take us home, and as soon as he does, we'd have the mind of Christ. We'd know it cover to cover. We're to study it because we should know God in a greater way. But we study it so that we can do the work that God has created us to do. That's what study to show thyself approved of the God means. It doesn't mean I study so that I know everything I need to know. It's good to know. I've already mentioned tonight, you ought to know what you believe, why you believe it. But we learn, we, get, we, we have the faith, we move on to what we know. We're not going to question our faith. We're going to move forward because we're going to keep the faith. Now, Paul admonished Timothy to study this, to show himself approved unto God as a workman who must not be ashamed by rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, it's important that we see all of this in context. Now, I want you to look to uh, chapter 3 of 2 Timothy, chapter number 3. We know in this chapter, Paul is telling Timothy that this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. He continues many things. We have studied this chapter uh, extensively through. Uh, the years, but I want us to get down to uh, verse number 14. He says, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. I hope we're getting the idea. We're going to review the first Timothy chapter number one in just a moment. Uh, we put all of these different passages to get, get together. 
is very important to the Apostle Paul, therefore is very important to God, because he, he acted under the leadership of the Holy Spirit to commend Timothy to continue what he had been taught. Now, I believe it's God's will for everybody to have a pastor. I believe the New Testament teaches that. I believe if God gives you a pastor to help lead you, I think, you, I think every, every little child who, who, who learns the Bible, they ought to be appreciative of the person who taught it to them. If you, if you young people have parents who teach the Word of God, you'd be thankful for that. You have a Sunday school teacher, I'd be thankful for that. You have a school teacher, I'd be thankful for that. You have a pastor, I'd be thankful for that. Uh, whoever teaches you the Word of God, I'd be thankful for that. He says, but continue thou in the thing which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Notice verse 15, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. It's a wonderful thing for children to learn the Bible. Because it's a wonderful thing for, for children to get saved at a young age. Oh, it saves them a whole lot of heartache, saves them a whole lot of trouble, saves them a whole lot of mess they get in this world. But it's good that they know the Bible from a young age. Notice verse number 16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. He says to continue, and he reminds him that they, from a child he's been privileged. He's known the Scriptures. Then he reminds him something very important about the Scripture. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Now, very quickly, uh, you don't have to turn to it because we've been in a week in a week out. In, in chapter number 1 of 1 Timothy, uh, in verse number 18, Paul says, This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went, on, went before on thee, that thou might by them mightest war a good warfare. I remind you that Paul received the faith from Jesus Christ himself. And he, it was committed to him from Jesus. And Paul taught Timothy, and he is reminding him, again in verse number 11, the same chapter, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. He, which was committed to his trust, he's now committing it to the trust of Timothy, so that Timothy can turn and he can commit it to the trust of somebody who's coming behind him. In 2 Timothy chapter number 2, we're reminded of this, that's faithful man to faithful man. That's why I believe every parent has a responsibility. As you have been, you have received the faith from someone else, you ought to turn and you ought to pass that faith down to your child. Now, if you have had the faith to every young person in here, whether you're uh, sitting over here in the teen section or whether you're, you're growing and got your own family now, if, if you had a mom, and, uh, mom or dad or both teach you the word of God and commit the faith to you, don't you dare drop the ball and not commit that to their grandchildren and your children. That's the responsibility. And maybe tonight, this doesn't have to do with my Bible study, but maybe this will help some of you. Maybe, maybe you don't have anybody to pass it to, or maybe those that you've passed it to have left the faith. Now you turn and you find somebody else you could pass it to. I remind you that Paul found Timothy, and Paul committed it to Timothy. Paul received this charge. He committed this charge. I remind you in our text he says, of who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already. How do you err from the truth? Let's look at this practically. You err from the truth by erring from Scripture. He reminds him in what we've already read in chapter number 3, specifically in verse 16, that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God 
and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. He warns Timothy, he reminds him that his words should be profitable. The words, notice it again in verse number 2. I'm sorry, chapter number 2 in verse number 15. So to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly defining the word of truth, but shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness in their word. What is he reminding Timothy? Be careful of your words. Not just that they should be seasoned with grace. Yes, they should. Not just that they should be the proper kind of words. Yes, they should. But the words when it comes to the faith are very, very important. The wrong words will eat at you as a canker. That's what the Scripture is telling us. The wrong words, words that do not fall in with verse number 15, where we were studied ourselves to show ourselves approved unto God. I have a responsibility as, as a pastor, as a preacher, as the pastor of this church to study so that God is pleased with me. This church, we believe what we believe because we want to please God. I know preachers who they're more interested in pleasing where they went to Bible college, pleasing a group of preachers. They're more content pleasing this world. That is not why we study the Bible, because the Bible tells us what God teaches, the world is going to reject. It, it, the gospel makes people upset from time to time. It's the nature of the gospel. It's confrontational in itself. But he warns him about the words, and the words should be profitable. Scripture is profitable. The preaching of God's word is to put us at an advantage, both at living the Christian life, but also winning against our enemy. Now, I find it interesting that in Scripture we're told, uh, in verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 16, all Scripture is profitable. We already know that it should be profitable. It is profitable in these areas. It's right there in the Bible, in doctrine which is knowing the truth of God's Word. If you need a book by some man to tell you what you believe, you've missed it. We get our doctrine from the Bible. We are, we are, a, we are a Baptist church. We are an independent Baptist church. What that means, I believe, it's, I believe that's kind of redundant because I believe a Baptist church is independent in the nature of being a Baptist church. We do not have a board that gives us this is what we believe. We have the Word of God that tells us what we believe. Our doctrine comes from the Word of God. Is knowing that, How is Scripture profitable? It's profitable with our doctrine, which is knowing the truth of God's Word. As your pastor, I must preach the Word of God. That's where we get our doctrine. That's where we know what we believe. That's where, that's, where, that's where we do the doctrine or the faith. Notice what else verse 16 reminds us. It's, it's profitable for reproof. Now, this is part of it that we don't like because it reproves us, which is the conviction of those things in our lives that ought not to be there or things we should be doing that we are not. Sometimes Christians will get mad at the preacher. But they shouldn't get mad at the preacher when the preacher is just saying what God said. 
Because the nature, it's what Scripture does. Scripture just reveals to us what we are, what we're lacking, what should, should be there, what shouldn't be there. That's why many will, will leave a Bible-preaching church and go to these emergent-type entertaining churches because there is no reproof, because there is no... Well, by the way, if you're going to change the doctrine and we get our doctrine from God's Word, how would we change the doctrine? Change the Word. That's why it's important that we know we have the Word of God. You take anybody who says, well, it doesn't, it doesn't matter, their doctrine, it's gone. It's just a matter of time. And Scripture brings reproof. This is why you and I, we need to read the, be read the Bible every day. It's fellowship with God. Sometimes we just get, I don't know, do you ever get frustrated? You ever drive down Blanding? You ever get frustrated? You have to go to Walmart? You ever get frustrated? You go to the Taco Bell with a coupon and it expired the day before? You ever get frustrated? I don't know about you, but when I feel pressure and I get frustrated, when I just read the Bible, it makes me feel better. But in, in every day, when I read it, sometimes I enjoy reading the Bible. I enjoy getting up in the morning. I enjoy reading the Bible. And I enjoy when the Lord's speaking to me. I enjoy, yeah, that's right. Was that, was that I preach right there. And then I enjoy reading. And you know what the, the, the Bible does? It reproves me. It tells me I'm not right. You know, the Holy Spirit is, is perfectly capable of doing that without a preacher, too. And then sometimes I read something in Scripture, and it's like, you know, you really should be doing more of that. It's like, well, th thank the Lord I'm reading through my Bible in a year, and I won't come back to that Scripture for another year. <laughs> I don't have to think about it. I think sometimes that's what we do. Um, it should reprove us. That's why it should be profitable. It's amazing, as we walk, go through this list, you see the deconstruction of doctrinal churches. You see the deconstruction of the Word of God because the words are not... It's not that, that faith they have is not profitable. Uh, the reproof, the correction, it's right there for, for proof, for correction. It, it corrects us away from error and towards the truth. It is not merely a correction of thinking, but a correction of living. It's, it's for correction. Instruction in righteousness or in righteous living. The righteousness is not just living a pure life, although that is certainly important. Living righteousness means we treat people with justice. It means we treat God's word with, with, as, as it should be uh, treated. Instruction in righteousness or in righteous living. I, I take it like this. The Bible... I've used this illustration before. It's like putting that red X on a test. But then it gives you the answer so that you don't get that same answer wrong. I've had all sorts of teachers, just as you have, through high school and college, and some would mark that X, and then they just give it back to you, and you were on your own to go find the right answer. You were on your own to go... Correct it. Some would give you the answers. 
Um, my favorite teacher was the one that just didn't give tests, but I didn't have any of them. But um, how come teachers never let you grade your own test on the honor system? I just thought of that. Anyway, but then there's some would say, I want, here's the answer wrong, and you have to go find the answer, and you have to turn that back in. It's, it's, it's not a very good teacher to take the thrill in just marking answers wrong. This is, this is a side note, but this would be good for every teacher. This is good for every parent. This is good for everybody in authority. You don't need to be an authority if all you do is live for the red pen to put a red X on somebody. What kind of teacher would you want to have? Somebody who just thrills in that? What do you want for Christmas? I just want red pens. <laughs> what do you want for your birthday? More red pens. I, I, can't, I can't get enough of them. I, I can't wait to use them. Now, a good teacher marks the X wrong. But what the Bible does, so many times people are afraid of the Bible. People who, people who don't know the Lord or people who are not in close fellowship with the Lord. They look at a, a, the Bible, the Word of God, as absolutes. And they are absolutely right. It corrects them. It rebukes them. Now, the culture of today, the, the social aspect of the day, says all kinds of bad things about anything that's an absolute, including this book. And what it is, is it rebukes them. But what they would discover, as you and I have discovered, as a child of God, somebody who wants to be in fellowship with God, is that the Word of God will mark the X, but then the Word of God gives you the answer so that you don't get that question wrong again. Why do you not want to get that answer wrong again? So that you can please the teacher. So that you can get the, the good mark, if you will. So you can stand before the judgment seat of Christ one day and hear, well done. No matter how any student acts, like, I don't care about my grades, I just don't care, whatever. No student feels that way. A lot of times they put that up as a front because, because they're not receiving, achieving what they want to achieve. But truth of the matter is, they all want to please the teacher, especially this time of year with a week and a half left to go in school because they want to get out to the next grade. You know, I, I can think back to my school years, just five or six years ago, I think back and, oh, y'all didn't even get that. Good. Um, I didn't even think about my grades. So it was like the last quarter, and I was like, oh, I hope I get out of here. Uh, I, hope I, I, hope I, I hope I graduate. But don't miss that. That's what the Word of God does. It reproves us. But then it corrects us by giving us the right answer, by moving us in the right direction. Uh, a lot of times you get, you get that wrong X, and now your attention has grown to it. You go, you find the answer, and that's what you remember more than the things that you got right. That's what the Scripture does. It reproves us, it corrects us, it instructs us. There are those that Paul refers to specifically in our text tonight that had one time professed their faith in Christ and were even followers of, of the Apostle Paul. However, they were no longer preaching what was profitable. It's amazing to me, and I, I, I tell people this all the time. We have, a, we have a family moving to this area just to be part of our church this weekend. We have uh, others looking at being part of our ministry here. And, 
I know this, and if you've been here for any length of time, you know this. You know what being a part of this church will do for somebody. You know what it'll do for their home. You know what it'll do for their marriage. You know what it'll do for their kids. You know what it'll do for somebody. This is a place, and I want to always be that way. Somebody who's hurting, somebody who has burdens, if they can come in here, they'll be loved, they'll be cared for. What, what is it? It's because it's all built on the Word of God. There's a lot of doctrinally impure beliefs out there that they use the word love, 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 but you don't ever feel that love. But it doesn't ever nurture them. It doesn't ever help them. Why? Because those words are not profitable. Is this making sense tonight? It's not profitable. What is profitable? The only thing that is profitable are the words of God. And so when these have erred from the faith, they lost their profitability. They were no longer profitable because you have to have the words of God. Their preaching was no longer profitable. And Paul was admonishing Timothy as to the importance of our message always being profitable to believers. Now let's look at our text again, 2 Timothy chapter number uh, 2. That last verse, Who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. This study came about because, you know, of course, as you know, we've been for, for a while now going through pastoral epistles and different aspects of the Apostle Paul's ministry. And starting this new, new, new series, I've had that verse in my mind, overthrow the faith, overthrow the, overthrow the flame. You know what I'm trying to say. Um, uh, don't mock the man of God, no. Um, and what, well, don't say stupid things, and I won't mock you, but anyway... Um, uh, overthrow the faith. I've had that in my mind. And so studying this out and pondering on this, uh, this is what I, I believe it means. This warning is that there are those who are teaching and, sub and subverting their hearers, which means they were overthrowing their faith. It is important to understand uh, many believers were involved at this time in propagating the gospel through the world. Paul's mission was to get the gospel to the world. We know that about the Apostle Paul. We know the last thing Jesus did before he ascended into heaven was to commission those men, to commission the church, to reach the world with equality. Oh, no, that wasn't it. It was reach the world with the gospel because if the world gets the gospel, you have equality. It was the reach the world with the gospel. And we can, in our, in our government programs, and, in, and we can't fall in this trap in society, we want to bypass what God has given us as the answer. Well, can't we just all coexist? Not according to this book, because this world has been, quote-unquote, coexisting, if you will, and it hasn't worked. Because there's only one faith, according to God, and that is the doctrine of this book. And so... The, this, it is our mission to win the world with the gospel. That is the mission of the Emmanuel Baptist Church, is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. My goal as the pastor of this church is not to make anybody a Baptist. I believe that if you trust Christ as your Savior and you learn this book, you'll become one. That's not my goal. My goal is, are you, when you, or when, when you leave this life, are you prepared to meet God? Have you taken care of your soul? Every man's soul is going to spend eternity in one or two places. 
That's a gospel for any, anybody and everybody, whether they have the nominational label or not. There's one gospel. And so there are some, we're not preaching with profitability, and we're overthrowing the entire purpose of the gospel. Please do not miss this. Please do not miss this. I hope I'm clarifying this enough tonight. Who concerning the truth have erred, saying the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some? If they believe the resurrection was past, it changed the whole gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So therefore, it changed the whole mission. And now they had a different mission. I'll tell you the downfall of our, of our, of our nation is when churches left the mission that Christ set and they picked up other missions. There are some good missions that you and I can be a part of, but they're not mandated by Jesus Christ. I believe that if there's somebody that's hungry and you have the ability to give them a meal, I, I believe we have a responsibility. I think you need to be wise in that because if they don't work and they're going to take that money you give them to go buy the very things that got them into that position, I don't think we should take our money and support that. But just in the, somebody's falling on hard times and I can feed them, that's fine. But the best thing I can do for them is I can minister to their soul. And if they're going to eat a hamburger I bought them, they're going to listen to the gospel. Slow down while you're eating that. I'm not done yet. Because that's the most important thing. I believe if somebody gets saved, the gospel will clean them up. The word of God will change them. It'll put them back on their feet. Now, the church is there to assist and to help, but the Word of God does that. When we, and, and I don't have time to really get into it tonight, and, and, and it's going to be in some of my, my future studies and, and writings, that today you get in this, this social agenda, and even it's called the social gospel. The church has never been commissioned to reform society. The church has never been commissioned to reform the political movement. Now, some people don't like that, but that's the truth. The church's mission is to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I've had these discussions years and years ago, not just this past political cycle, but the political cycle before that. Is if, if, if I have new Christians in, in our church who've been saved, and if they grow in grace, I believe they'll, they'll vote how they ought to vote because they'll vote according to the Word of God. But that's my agenda, is not to register a bunch of Republicans. Now, if, if you're a registered to the other, get in the Bible a little bit more and you might leave that. But, no, but I, and you know me, you've been, I've been pastor here in over eight years now. I, I don't ever say anything, you need to do this, you need to do that. I'm not holding a political rally. I'm not, because that, that's not the agenda of the church. Now, is it wrong to get involved in, 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 as a citizen? You ought to be involved as much as you can be. But as a child of God, as part of his church, what is profitable? And so the social, I'm not bringing a social gospel in here to deal with social issues because I believe the gospel takes care of all of those. Now, do we hate some of the things that go on in this world because it's evil and it's wicked? Absolutely. But the devil is very good at what he does. If the devil can get sin into this church and destroy this church, he'll do it. But if he can't do that, you know what he'll do? He'll get this church distracted. He'll get this church paying more attention to a hashtag than it will the Great Commission. The Bible says if it's not Scripture, it's not profitable. 
So our mission is to be profitable. What happens? It overthrows the faith every time. And, and, and I, have, I, I don't know what other people do in their church or what they do. That, that's between them and God. But any time that I would ever take away from preaching the gospel and address a social issue is a time that I am taken away from what God has commanded me to do. It is to overthrow the faith. The point of this is Paul is saying to Timothy, don't get distracted. I don't have time because I'm out of time. Aren't you glad I just did the introduction tonight and not the eight points? We'll go through those eight points, and they tie into getting off of that which is profitable of overthrowing the faith. Our life should be used. You say, I've had some say to me before, you just have an agenda. Absolutely. My agenda is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. My agenda is to teach anybody who will listen what the Bible says. My agenda, why? Because it's profitable. I know what the Bible has done for me. I've watched what the Bible has done in the lives of others. Well, if we had time tonight, and of course we don't, I, I could go around the room and, let it, and we could have testimonies of how profitable the Bible has been. Because that's what the Bible does. So we, we do not need to get off of with these, and I'll, I'll do it another night, but he mentions in verse 16, shine, uh, shine profane and vain babblings. We don't need to get off of the gospel message. Uh, the purpose of our message is to lead hearers to do the work they are called to do and not to allow our message to overthrow the purpose of perpetrating, I'm sorry, per, perpetuity, spreading the gospel. <laughs> it's been a long week, folks. Let me say that again without the speech impediment in it. Uh, it is important for our messages to lead our hearers to do the work they are called to do and not to allow our message to overthrow the purpose of, of, of spreading the gospel. You know that's what the mission of, our, of the church is. It's to, and this is what this whole series is about. Paul had it, he gave it to Timothy. He says, now you keep it. I've had it committed to me, I'm committed to you, and you commit to others. How do you do that? Well, they first have to they know they have the same Savior. Then they grow in the same word. This is why you have to be very, very careful. And, 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 and I know there's some that don't agree, don't agree with me when I say this, and that's okay. I mean, I'm right, but that's okay. And you don't ever have to express your disagreement unless you just feel... I mean, I'm okay with it. But you got to be careful using your life to, if you have an opportunity to use it to spread the gospel, use it for anything else. Now, God doesn't have everybody as a preacher. There's one pastor of this church. You're looking at him. It, it, that's, that's the way God designed it. Not everybody can be a Sunday school teacher. Because if everybody was a Sunday school teacher, quite frankly, there'd be nobody to teach. That, that's, we, this is, this, we, we know this. This is common sense. But our goal, if you have an opportunity, and this is what I tell some of these young people, I don't, know what I, want, I don't know what God wants me to do. Well, how about thinking and praying about just using your life just to win people to Christ? Just to keep people out of hell? I mean, how many of you that are, you don't have to raise your hand, but are well beyond those younger years, I mean, how many of you would like to have that opportunity? That's, that's my whole purpose. That's my whole, and that'll be our purpose anyway, but I think you don't understand what I'm saying. Pastor, there's nothing wrong with, I agree. But let's be careful that we don't get distracted as a church. I, I will, even, even good things, 
And I'm not going to use any illustrations because it's been, it was, you go through, right? I mean, and I've been very careful to say just enough from the pulpit when it comes to this political fiasco we just came through. There's other things that we're dealing with as far as the pandemic or thing that have been politicized. I've been very, very careful because it's not about anything other. When people come to church, it's about the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, how would you, how would you like for you to be working on one of your coworkers to come to church because they need to get saved and you work on them and you work on them and you work on them and you finally get them to come and your pastor has prepared a political rant for that day. And they leave, and, and they're thinking, this is the same thing I get on talk radio. This is the same thing I get on the internet. This is the same thing I get everywhere else. I thought if I came to church, I could at least get something that will help what I'm dealing with in my soul. But the, the faith is being overthrown because we pick up things that are not profitable when we are told that the Word of God is what is profitable. You, you're working this week, you stop in the middle of the week, you make the effort, many of you come right from work to be in church, it ought to be profitable for you to be here. I, I, I tell you, I study, I prepare, I prepare my Sunday morning messages, I prepare my, my, my Sunday night messages, but I, I will confess to you that the most amount of my study goes into my Wednesday night Bible study. Because if you were going to make the effort to come straight from work to the house of God, I want it to be a profit for you. I want it to be a benefit for you. Because how is that? The Word of God is what helps us profit. So that is the introduction of a very short little Bible study when it comes to having our faith overthrown. I have to be careful. There are many today, I could name some names many of you recognize. They believed what you and I believed. But they got caught into this good cause. And then it became, well, for the greater good, let's not discuss these doctrinal differences. I'm sorry if you don't believe my Savior was born of a virgin, is the only begotten Son of God, lived a sinless life, came to this earth to pay sin, and He is the only way to heaven. Through faith in Him, that matters to me. There's not a greater good than protecting the gospel. Can someone get saved outside of believing that Jesus Christ is the only means of salvation? No. So if I get distracted in a good cause, then it's taken away from that which is profitable. Then the faith is being overthrown. You can't lose yourself. You say, the person who does that, they lose their self. The person who leaves the doctrine, who leaves these things for, for another cause, whether it be the social gospel or whatever, do they, are they not saved? No, I believe once you're saved, you're always saved. But I believe the faith is being overthrown because it's not the words that we ought to be heeding and paying attention to. Let's be careful as a church that we don't get sidetracked. We don't get, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not against it. I'm not saying I would never do it. But if you come to church, you're coming to church. I'm not, I'm not going to have you come donate blood to church. I'm not going to have you come do all those things and, unless I need it. But other than that, um, I don't think there's anything sinful about that. And if others do it, I would, I, I would never speak against it. Um, 
I'm just making the point that I want to be very, very careful that we guard as a church what we are supposed to do with the gospel. I'm the kind of person that if I'm going to do it, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it. I think you at least have learned that about me. We're, 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 we're going to go big. Pastor, are we going to build one building? No. Let's build 12 at one time and see how that works out. Um, I'm being sarcastic there. It's only eight. But um, you, you under, I don't want to get distracted because I want to put all my energy, everything into. It's amazing what the people of God can do when they have the power of God, the Word of God, and they're focused on doing the work of God. So in our instruction, we want to instruct people not just to know. My goal is not to have you come in here and so you can learn how much I know about the Bible. What, what good does that do anybody? It does nobody any good. It's to help give you some instruction because it's profitable so you can go do. So you can go to back to work this week and you can be the right kind of Christian. You can go home with that burden that you came in and you can have some instruction to know how to carry that burden. You can go and be a better husband. You can go and be a better wife. You can be a better father, be a better mother, be a better son, be a better daughter by having that which is profitable given to you. I, I, I don't have anything profitable. I'm flesh and blood as you're flesh and blood. I'm a sinner saved by grace like you're saved by grace. What is profitable? The Word of God. Let's not be distracted by that. Mom and Dad, you want to you help your children be prepared for this life? Give them that which is profitable. Give them that which is going to help them. You, 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 how are we going to make it through this world? We're going to stick with that which is profitable. It'll help us get through. Father, help us tonight.